in this world you're living in, you're living in a world that's full of trouble and trial. And I, I, you just got all kind of pressures on you. But I want to just tell you one thing this morning. The birds are still singing. They are still singing. And as long as the birds are still singing, you don't have a thing in the world to worry about. Look in your Bible, please, in the book of Matthew chapter number 6, would you please? And Matthew chapter number 6, I want to begin reading with verse number 25. I'll read just a verse or two this morning. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Would you turn over, please? Let me read that last statement. I didn't finish it. Are ye not much better than they? Then turn over to Matthew chapter 10, and I call your attention to verse number 29. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 29. And notice what it says as I begin reading verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, for you are more value than many sparrows. Will you pray with me, Heavenly Father, I ask now the Holy Spirit of God to anoint and speak to hearts. Our Father, we thank you, God, for your wonderful provision. God, I pray, God, for your anointing that will make the difference. Our Father, without you, I can do nothing. Without you, nothing of eternal value take place. And God, I pray, God, not because I'm familiar with this text, not because of the times I may have shared these truths, but God, I breathe, but God, because of your divine appointment, God, the Holy Ghost has burdened my heart to share these truths once again with the church here and with the radio audience. And God, I pray, God, the Holy Ghost of God will anoint. God, make it real, make it fresh, make it new. And God, speak to hearts and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There are birds everywhere. The birds are still singing. I woke up the other morning and went outside and I just marveled at the melodious singing of the birds around my house. Did you know that, uh, that God has created over this world over 9,000 uh, different kinds of birds? They come in all shapes and all sizes and all colors. And uh, on this North American continent alone, there are over 6 billion birds. The largest bird on our continent is the whooping crane, uh, or the tallest bird rather. It stands over five feet tall. But you understand that's not the tallest bird. The tallest bird is the ostrich. The, uh, the uh, heaviest bird on this continent is the trumpeter swan. It weighs somewhere in the range of 40 pounds. But that's not the biggest bird or the heaviest bird. The heaviest bird once again is the ostrich and it weighs over 300 pounds. The California condor has a wing spread of about almost 10 feet. But the albatross has a wing spread of over 12 feet. You can imagine that. A basketball goal stands 10 feet tall. And the albatross has a wing spread that would go past that about two feet. That's a pretty good sized bird. And then I think about these huge massive birds like the ostrich, seven feet tall, 300 pounds, and can run over 50 miles an hour. And then I think about down in South America, there's a little bird called the the, the uh, bumblebee hummingbird that's no bigger than your thumb. God has created these birds in a wonderful way. I, I think about some time back, I was watching an educational channel on TV and they were talking about birds and they told about the black pole warbler. The black pole warbler is born in Nova Scotia and it flies 24,000 miles one way to South America. 24,000 miles one way to South America. They do it in four days. In doing so, they consume one half of their body fluids and flesh. 
And uh, the uh, scientists and biologists have calculated if you could convert the consumption of their fluid and body to flesh into miles per hour, God's fixed those birds where they're getting 720,000 miles per gallon. Praise God, that'd come in handy, wouldn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Boy, that'd be the Volkswagen, Teresa. Uh, 720,000 miles per gallon. I, I think about the peregrine falcon that soars miles up in the sky and yet can see his prey down on the ground. And when it's time to descend from that lofty height, uh, God's fixed him where he puts little flaps back over his ears, puts down a shield over his eyes, and he can descend at the rate of 200 miles per hour to catch his prey. God's fixed it. I think about the, uh, the uh, different kind of way God's blessed those birds physically. I think about the loon, for instance, that's a fish-eating bird. And I, I've watched them even on an uh, uh, educational channel. Those birds would dive, and th when they go under the water, they can swim faster than fish. Isn't that a strange thing for a a bird to be able to do that. God fixed those birds that way. He's blessed them so many ways physically. He gave them air sacs and hollow bones that they might fly. Uh, the Himalayan mountains are over 29,000 feet high. That's over five miles high. And yet people have stood there on the Himalayan mountains and watched geese fly overhead. God allows those birds to fly in those great heights and in those frigid climates. And yet God clothes them with what they need to keep them warm. God takes care of the birds. But that's not what the Bible said. It doesn't say much about their flight. It doesn't say much about their plumage. It doesn't say much about their physical condition. It simply makes this statement, God feeds the birds. And if the birds are still singing, folk, you don't have a thing to worry about. God takes care of the birds. And you say, Brother Billy, why is that so significant? It's this. Scientists tell us that birds eat two and a half times their body weight every day. Birds eat two and a half times their body weight every day. And, uh, you know, for instance, the little Bob White quail eats over 15,000 seeds a day. Two and a half. Every time I preach this message, somebody always comes up to me, regardless where I'm at, and gives me a new bird fact. If I, if I add and incorporate everything everybody's ever told me about birds, I never would get through. But uh, somebody came up to me one time, and I was saying that birds eat two and a half times their body weight. And they said, Preacher, that's, that's true to a point, but it's not completely true. And I said, Why is that? They said, Because of the penguin. The penguin that lives in the, in the Arctic Circle in those cold climates eats eight times its body weight every day. And I said, Praise God, I pastored some folks like that. I, I, know, I know some folks that can do that. I pastored penguins. Amen. But thank God, you think about that. Eight times their body weight every day, God feeds them. And God provides for the birds. He said this, God provides for the birds. You think about it, on this continent, six billion birds live on this continent alone. And that means if the average weight of every bird was only three ounces, and that's, that's, hard, that's so insignificant. And yet there's, a, there's the trumpet of swan that weighs almost 40 pounds. And there's uh, the wild turkey in North Carolina that probably weighs 20 pounds, a, a, a good heavy bird would. And yet God feeds every one of them. And, God takes, and if the average weight of those birds was only three ounces, Every time the sun rises and sets on this North American continent, God has to provide over 3 billion tons of food for those birds every day. Pounds of food for those birds every day. Now you think about that. That's a massive task. And yet, you know what? I've never seen a bird standing in a welfare line. Amen. Never have. I've never got up in one morning, not one morning, and seen birds sitting on the line with a sad countenance. Never have. They're always singing. Why are they singing? They're singing because of God. They sing, my dear friend, they've sung, they sing in every country. They sing around the world. They sing no matter where you are. I remember when we were down in, in Florida or in Georgia pasture, our chairman of deacons, his wife, me and Regina, uh, we, we won a cruise, supposedly won a cruise. And, and we went out out of uh, uh, St. Uh, Fort Lauderdale, I believe it was, went out. And uh, when we went out uh, on the cruise, man, the seas were rough and it was tossing and turning. Everybody on the boat got sick. I mean, it was terrible. 
But when we pulled in port there in the Bahamas, sitting all up and down uh, that, that dock were birds, and they were all singing. A few years back, I flew into Germany, and when I flew into Germany, we got in, it was dark, and we rushed down to where I was going to preach at. I preached that night, and we went to Brother Wimmer Bride's home and spent the night. I woke up the next morning. They had us kind of in a, in a sub-level, not, not really a basement, but it was, it was almost, it was part of it was below the ground and part of it wasn't. And, they, and if you've ever been to Germany, they have what they call rollatons on the windows. It's kind of like blinds, but they're heavy metal. And when they lock them down at night, man, you, it's dark as a cave. You can't see anything. And I couldn't wait that morning until I got up to look outside and see the, la- the landscape of Germany. And when I woke up that morning, I went and opened those, those rollatons right there. I was looking ground level. And when I opened it up, there was a big old bird sitting there looking right straight at me. I mean, I'd flown over, over, over the ocean everywhere. I got there, and right first thing I saw that morning was a bird looking right at me. And it looked just like a brown thrush. I'd have thought I was in Johnson County, North Carolina, except he said octoon and flew away. I, I, but at any rate, I, I knew I was in Germany. But birds sing. Did you know what? They sing in every country. They sing in every climate. They sing in the summer. They sing in the winter. Birds sing, my dear friend, in the sunshine, and they sing in the rain. They sing, my friend, when I was born here in North Carolina, up in Halifax County, 1946, my fondest memories of growing up there was listening to the birds sing. And here in the year 2001, the birds are still singing. They hadn't stopped. My dear friend, they sang through the Revolutionary War. They sang through the Civil War. They sang through World War I, World War II. They sang through Korea, Vietnam. They kept right on singing. When the cannons were firing, the guns were blazing. The birds kept on singing. They sang through every age of man. They sang through the age of enlightenment. They sang through what was called the Dark Ages. They sang uh, through the uh, age of revolution. They sang through all the ages they've sung. They sang no matter who was in the White House. They sang, my dear friend, when President Lincoln knelt, knelt in the White House and prayed for guidance. They sang, my dear friend, when Jimmy Carter was in the White House. Uh, uh, and they sang, my dear friend, when Ronald Reagan was saluting the flag in the White House. And they even sang when Bill Clinton was in the White House. Regardless of what he was doing, the birds kept on singing. Because they know that God is in control and not the government. They know that their source doesn't come from Washington. It comes from the Lord. And they sang. My dear friend, they sing in the projects and they sing in the palaces. They sing in the funeral homes and they sing around football fields. They sing in the graveyards and they sing in the gardens. And they sing whether they're caged or whether they're free. They just keep on singing. And you say, Brother Billy, why is it that birds sing? Well, scientists tell us there are three basic reasons that birds sing. Number one, they say they sing when they're in love or when they're mating. They sing because of love and that mating season. And then they sing to declare what's called territorial rights. That is that they, they, they are singing. They try to claim a particular area and say, this belongs to me. And then scientists have concluded uh, with all their great intellect that there's another reason birds sing. And it says, sometimes they sing just because they're happy. Just because they're happy. Three good reasons to sing in it. Number one, they sing when they're in love. And the Bible said we love him because he first loved us. And you and I ought to keep on singing. We ought to keep on singing when the sun shines and when it rains. We ought to keep on singing when it's good times and when it's bad. We ought to just keep on praising the Lord no matter what. Listen, they sing. They sing when they're in love. They also sing to declare territorial rights. And they say that this land is my land. Can I tell you a truth that's a reality? It's not fiction. They call property real estate because they say that's the only thing that's tangible. That's the only thing that won't last. Can I tell you something? The Bible said the earth will melt with a fervent heat. The earth will melt with a fervent heat. But can I say this to you? You and I have a right to declare territorial ownership. 
Why? Because the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and I'm an heir and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that God owns, I own. Amen. Because I've been redeemed by the grace of God. Now, I want to just praise him this morning for that. And we're to praise him, my dear friend, just because we're happy. He gave us joy unspeakable and full of glory. And we're to praise the Lord and magnify him. But I do believe that there are some real reasons why birds praise him. Number one, I'd say they praise him because of his person. Let me read you a verse in the book of Psalms. In Psalms number 50, verse number 11, it says this. God says, I know all the fowls of the mountains. I know all the fowls of the mountains. Now, when I was in South Georgia, <laughs> I read that verse and I said, y'all see what I tell you? God knows all them birds in the mountain. He don't know nobody in South Georgia. Say amen. <laughs> but that's not necessarily so. That's an implication that God knows all the birds. Now, you think about all the different, over 9,000 different kinds of birds. And in those, in those species of birds, there's a bluebird and a mockingbird and a catbird and a brown thrasher and a Baltimore oriole and a cedar waxwing and all those birds. But if you look very carefully inside every one of those families of birds, you'd see that every one of the birds is individual. They're all different. Every one of them is different. And they're easily recognizable. That You can recognize them. And God said, I know every one of them. God knows them. And I tell you, I believe that they know him as creator. I know that they don't have a relationship with him like we do, but I believe that the animals don't. In Psalms 150, it says that everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. That would include birds. And they praise him. I remember when I was growing up, we had a bunch of biddies one time, and I'd watch those little biddies, and they'd lean over, and they'd get a, a, some water out of the little water, uh, uh, water, and when they'd lean over and get that water, they'd throw the head right back. And uh, I, they'd see them, they'd lean down, and they'd get the water, and they'd throw the head right back. And I said, Mama, what in the world are they doing? She said, they're saying, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's good enough for me. I've never forgotten that. I, every time I see when I think about that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. They praise him because of his person. And you ought to just praise God for who he is. Just praise him for who he is. Let me say this to you about praise. The Bible says three things about praise. It says, first of all, it is commanded in the word of God. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. You're commanded to praise the Lord. You say, Brother Billy, I don't feel like praising him. You still have to praise him. Still are commanded to praise him. Praise, my dear friend, is commanded in the scriptures. You ought to praise God for who he is, for his person. And then yeah, the Bible says that prayer, uh, that praise rather, is comely. And that word comely means beautifying. In other words, if you praise the Lord, you look better. <laughs> All right, some of you better get busy. Amen. It'll help you. It'll, help, it'll make you look better if you praise the Lord. You have the glory of God on you. It's comely, it's beautifying. And then it's, it's not only that, praise is contagious. You get around folks that praise God, you'll start praising God. And you get around folks that murmur and complain, and you'll be down and defeated. And I, dear friend, listen, you, don't, you be the person that's praising God, and you'll bless everybody else around you. You'll be a blessing to folk if you'll do that. They praise him because of his person and who, who he is. And then they praise him, I believe, my dear friend, not only because of that, but they praise him because of his provision. The Bible said he feeds the birds, and they thank him for that. God Praise, uh, feeds the birds. And I believe they praise him for that. I, I, I was, when I was pastoring down in Valdosta, Georgia, we had uh, a big piece of property the church did. It had 13 acres of land. And on that property we had right behind my house had four big pecan trees. And men, they were loaded. I live right in the church uh, area right there, right adjacent to the church. And uh, those, the pecans, man, this, that particular year were just loaded. And it was in the fall of the year. And of course in Valdosta, Georgia, it's, it, you have to mow grass year round. We had a teenage boy uh, who came over and mowed our grass, mowed the church grass. He's a member of the church. And uh, we, the church provided him a, a big Kubota tractor to mow it with. 
And so he came over that morning, and I, I was getting ready to leave, go run to the post office, and I went out, and I said, called his name, and I, I said, Jason, I said, listen, I said, mow the football field and the church front and back. I said, don't mow one of these pecan trees. I said, I, I, I hadn't picked up pecans, and I want to come back and pick them up. And I left. I went straight to the post office and came straight back. Uh, do you have any idea where that teenage boy was mowing at when I got back? <laughs> he was doing donuts around those pecan trees. With that $8,000 Kubota tractor, he was, he was breaking, cracking pecans. And I, boy, I had a fit. And I stopped him. I said, Jason, what are you doing? He said, you said mow one of the pecan trees. I said, no, I didn't. I did not. I said, go out and mow the football field. Just go. I went in the house. I was kind of fuming. And the next morning early on the back of our house, we had a little sunroom. And I always got up early and went out there with my Bible to pray and get along with God. And that morning when I went out, it was just beginning to get light good. And under that pecan trees, under those pecan trees were thousands of birds. There they were eating my pecans. I mean, <laughs> eating my pecan. And, and listen, I got to thinking, Lord, I said we paid, a, we paid a fellow $2 an hour to crack pecans for birds. <laughs> Used our equipment and everything else. And I said, thank you, Jesus. God takes care of birds. Dr. Harold Seitler was pastor of a great church down in South Carolina. And Dr. Seitler had a children's home and he had a day school. And he had a radio ministry and a great church. And the pressures were much on him. And Dr. Seitler went somewhere just about every week and preached a revival, Bible conference somewhere, as well as maintaining all those other ministries. And the weight of all that ministry, trying to raise money to keep everything going, was heavy on him. And uh, he was in a motel room, and it just got so unbearable, he said, he told the story. He said, I could hardly stand it. Couldn't sleep that night. He said, the next morning early, I got up. I walked across to the restaurant that was adjacent to the motel. And he said, there in the parking lot, I saw a great huge hamburger. Only had one bite taken out of it. And two little old sparrows that were sitting there picking on that hamburger. No way in the world they could ever eat all of that hamburger that was laying there. And he said, God, the Holy Ghost stopped me. And he said, Harold, you got any idea why these birds are eating that hamburger this morning? And he said, last night during the night, he said, I woke up a businessman in this $49 a night motel room. And I told him he was hungry in the middle of the night. He got up and dressed came over here. I told him to order that big hamburger. He ordered that big hamburger. I fixed it to where he was so hungry he couldn't even wait till he got back to his room to eat it. As he went out the door, he was unwrapping it. And he said, as soon as he took the first bite, I, I, I satisfied his hunger. And I had him to throw it right here in the middle of his parking lot because I knew I had two little birds I had to feed breakfast this morning. And he said, Harold, if I'll take care of those birds, I'll take care of you. And can I say this to you? They praise God because of his provision, because he feeds the birds. And you know what? I was looking around here this morning. I got some fellas in here that's been on a diet. Old LaVon's been on a diet. I can look at him and tell. <laughs> LaVon's been on a diet. And you know what I'm fixing to do? I'll tell you right now, Benny Ray, I'm going on a new diet. I'm going on a bird diet. Just starting tomorrow morning, I'm going to start on a bird diet. Two and a half times my body weight, Josh, I'm going to get to eat. Two and a half times my body weight. Thank God I've gained weight lately. Amen. In the morning, here's what I'm going to have in the morning. I'm going to go up the food line and get me two five-pound bags of flour and get Regina to make those into biscuits for me. I'm going to have a gallon of orange juice, five pounds of bacon, a dozen eggs, ten grapefruits, a quart jar of jelly, a pound of butter, five 64-ounce boxes of cornflakes, a gallon of milk, and a whole pound of sugar on them. Tomorrow, I'm going to have a light lunch. I'm going to have a salad. I'm going to have five lead, uh, heads of lettuce in that salad, five pounds of cucumbers, ten pounds of tomatoes, five pounds of carrots, a box of croutons, a quart jar of jelly. I'm going to have ten pounds of baked potato, a five-pound steak, a, a gallon of tea, 24 dinner rolls, and a whole chocolate cake. That'll be my lunch. Tomorrow night, I'm going to eat seafood. I'm going to have five bushels of raw oysters, 20 pounds of shrimp, 20 pounds of flounder, 
10 pounds of hush peppers, 12 heads of cabbage ground up in the coleslaw, 5 pounds of baked beans, a gallon of tea, 16 strawberry shortcakes. Hey, praise God. You know what? Sometime back when I calculated the approximate weight of these, if I ate everything I told you I'd eat for breakfast, that wouldn't be but 39 pounds. Everything I told you for lunch, that wouldn't be but 53 pounds. And for supper, only 91 pounds. That's only 183 pounds. And I get to eat two and a half times my body weight. I'm going to have a midnight snack. Tomorrow night for a midnight snack, I'm going to have 25 pounds of potato chips, 50 pounds of corn chip and dip, five two-liter Pepsi Colas, a gallon jar of pickled pig feet, five boxes of soda crackers, seven cans of potted meat, ten cans of vanilla sausage, and my dear friend, I, I'm going to have two boxes of Little Debbie oatmeal cookies. <laughs> now, if I ate all of that, that wouldn't be 95, 96 pounds. Add all that up, subtract it from what I should be allotted to eat, I'm going to have 196 pounds of food that I just can't eat. I'm going to let LaVon have that. <laughs> Thank God. No wonder the birds are still singing. God feeds the birds. God takes care of birds. He provides for the birds and he protects the birds. And notice in regard to protection, they sing because he protects them. I want to read your verse in the book of Luke, if you'd allow me. Luke chapter number 12, and I'll read verse number 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two farlings, and not one of them is forgotten before God. Now you think about it. Six billion birds on this continent. Six billion birds. And God has never forgotten one of them. Not one day, God's never been too busy to feed every bird every day. Not one of them's ever forgotten. Matter of fact, in the text I read to you, it says that not one falls on the ground without your father. I, somebody said this, that doesn't mean they die. It means that somewhere in a swamp somewhere, a little bird stumbles over a twig, just stumbles. God notices that. God watches every little bobble. Do you think God doesn't know you've got a burden? Do you think God don't knows you, you, don't, you don't have a financial need? Do you think God doesn't know you've got a, a, a burden on your heart about your family? Do you think God doesn't know that you've got a physical need this morning? God knows. He provides for the birds. He protects the birds. He watches over them. Not one of them. Wouldn't you think that somewhere way off up on the mountains, there'd be some little old bird that God would forget? I lived in Georgia, and I went over to the Okefenokee Swamp. And man, listen, that thing is so thick in there at places you can't even get through it. Spanish moss hanging everywhere. But yet there are birds that live in there. Little wrens and all type of birds, little small birds live up in that moss. Wouldn't you think that one morning God would forget to feed one of those birds? And yet the Bible said God doesn't forget not a one of them. Not a, you think God's forgot where you are? You think God's forgot about your need or your burden? No, he hadn't done that. God takes care of birds. And listen, my dear friend, listen. I've been pastoring churches, like I said, for 33 years. On at least five different occasions, I, we've been sitting around in front of the church and somebody come running back up in the churchyard, fly back up, squalling tires, and jump out and say, has anybody seen little Johnny or Susie or somebody else? On five different occasions, I've known people who've left their youngins at church house. Maybe asleep, maybe backyard playing the nursery. You know how we do. Mom and dad drive a car and each one drive a car and I think they were mom, think they wouldn't boy, go home and leave the kid at church. Leave the kid at church. And five different times, I had one little girl one time I was preaching this message. She came to me, she said, preacher, I know what you're talking about. She said, mom and dad left me at church three times. I said, honey, they're trying to tell you something. I don't know what it is. I want you to get a message. But God doesn't ever forget the birds. God, listen, his protection, his provision, everything. God provides for the birds. But can I just share these thoughts with you quickly this morning? As long as those birds are singing, you don't have anything to worry about. Now, he protects the birds. Uh, this is a wonderful, beautiful day we have today. But you know, we've had hurricanes to go through here. Our Sunday school teacher this morning talked about the, the hurricane that came through. I remember several years ago, 
and, a, and, a, and one of my close friends, Brother Paul Osborne, was police chief down here on the coast of North Carolina at, at Caswell Beach. And, he, and there's a hurricane coming up the east coast. And it got right off our border out here, and it just kind of stayed stationary. And all of our, our weathermen were saying, get ready, it's coming on shore, you got to be ready. And so they boarded up everything on Oak Island down here on North, in North Carolina and evacuated the island. Uh, Paul Osborne, just a few of his deputies, stayed behind to police the island and make sure everything was all right. And he said the next morning when he got up, it didn't come in at night like they said it was. It didn't come in at all. And it was still out there. And he said he rode up down the island a little bit and he got on the radio and he called his deputies. He said, come on down here, fellas. We got something to do. They said, what are we going to do? And they said, he said, I'm going to take all the wood down off our police station. We got to get ready to get folks back on the island. And he said, what are you talking about, Paul? He said, you're crazy, man. He said, that thing's still out there. They're saying it's going to come on the coast of North Carolina. He said, it ain't coming in here. I don't know where it's going, but it's not coming on the coast of North Carolina. He said, just come on down. And when they got down, he said, they said, Chief, you're crazy. Man, we can't do this. He said, look. He said, see those birds? And he said, all over the island, there were birds singing. And he said, if that storm was coming on this island, those birds had already be gone. And he said, in a matter of hours, that thing cranked up. And went up north and went where all those Yankers at, say amen. And went right in, in New York Harbor. And he said, and never, never, never even blowed a leaf off a tree at Oak Island. The birds knew it. How'd they know that, you say, Brother Billy? Because God takes care of birds. God provides for the birds. He protects the birds. But now let me show you something. A, a few lessons I want to draw from this this morning. If you will, look in your Bible, Luke, uh, Matthew chapter number 10. Look at verse 31. You say, Brother Billy, you don't know the burdens I've got. You don't know the cares I've got. No, but I know, who, I know who's host tomorrow. I know who's in control. And if the birds are still singing, you don't have anything to worry about. Why? Look, in, if you would, please, in Matthew chapter 10. And I want to call your attention, if you would, please, to verse number three uh, 31. Matthew 10, verse 31. Fear you not, therefore, you're more value than many sparrows. If the birds are still singing, you don't have anything to worry about. Because you're more valuable than birds. God gave birds the miracle of flight. He gave them beautiful plumage. He gave them melodious songs. But he never gave his son to die for a bird. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ died to save sinners. He paid an awesome price for you to be saved. He paid an awesome price for you to go to heaven. And the Bible says that if he gave his son to die for us, he will also freely by him give us all things. Sometime back when I was in Valdosta, Georgia, one of my men brought me a Reader's Digest. said, Preacher, you'll, you'll read this article. And it was called The Ten Cow Bride. And it was a story of an island somewhere. And they still had the practice of paying a dowry. If you wanted to marry a girl, you had to pay her daddy a certain amount of money. And in that particular island, the, the uh, trade, the item of trade was cows. And so whatever the value of that wife and whatever the value of that young lady was that her daddy said, you had to pay him that many cows. And nobody had ever paid on that island more than five cows for a bride. I don't care how beautiful she was, how intellectual she was, or how industrious she was. I mean, the very most, the, the very most perfect bride, five cows. And yet this man, while he was there, every time somebody would mention somebody's, a certain man's name, they'd all laugh and they'd say, 10 cow, 10 cow, 10 cow. And they said, what, what's going on? They said, you'll have to go talk to the man. 
And he went down and, and he went to the man's home. And when he knocked on the door, the man came to the door very cordially, invited him in. The man's wife came in and she was pleasant, but nothing special to look at. Greeted the man and went back into the back. And he said, sir, I'm here to ask you a question. He said, I know why you're here. He said, they come all the time. They always want to know, why 10 cows? Why 10 cows? Why did I pay 10 cows for my bride? And he said, you know, he said, her daddy wanted two cows for her. Her mama, three cows. The community said she was worth no more than two cows. But I did not pay for her what her daddy thought she was worth. I didn't pay for her what her mama thought she was worth. I didn't pay for her what the world thought she was worth. I paid for her what I thought she was worth. I paid 10 cows for her. Can I say something to you? God's paid for you what he thought you was worth. The world may say you're no good. Your mom and daddy may say you're no good. Your husband and wife may say you're no good. But Jesus loved you enough he died for you. You're worth the son of God. The sinless son of God died to save you. You're more valuable than sparrows. And as long as the birds are still singing, you don't have a thing to worry about. Because to God you're more valuable than many sparrows. Let me call your attention to something else. Look in Matthew chapter number 6 and verse 26. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 26. Listen to what it says. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Not only are you more valuable than birds, you're better than birds. Can I say to you, there's a move across this nation and around the world. It's called the environmentalist movement. Nobody in the world, I don't think, enjoys and loves what God's created more than I do, the rivers, the streams. And it bothers me to see the pollution or the uh, people polluting the land. It does. But can I say this to you? There's an extreme in their philosophy. And that extreme is this, that we are all part of the earth that we are fellow in, uh, uh, inhabitants of this earth, that you are co-equal with the animals, that there's no difference between you and a whale, no difference between you and a monkey, that it, they have as much right to be here as you do, and that you're no, more, you're no, better, off, no better than they are. Now, that's contrary to Scripture. The Bible says that you're better than the birds. That's why he gave us the animal life of this world for food. There are people who say you ought not to kill. You ought not to do that. But yet, you know what God told Peter? Kill and eat. You know what Jesus did after his resurrection? He fed his disciples fish. This is going to surprise you. They were not alive. He was already cooking them over a fire when they arrived. The animal life of this world is far below God's creation of the human life. You're better than birds. You're more valuable to God. When I was pastoring down in Georgia, I had a dear lady visit my church one Sunday. Just a beautiful elderly lady, had silver hair, just a pleasant smile. And as she began to visit our church, she, I learned her name, of course, and she spoke to me. And she said, Brother Bill, I love your church. She said, but I won't get to come real often. My husband is an invalid, and I take care of him. But I want you to come by and visit with me. And as preachers often do, it took me a while to ever get by. But when I went by to see her, she lived in a little apartment that was part of her daughter's home. I came up to the, under the carport to where the entrance to her apartment was at and I knocked on the door. And she came to the door and she was just elated to see me. I, I was just tickled I was there. She invited me in. I came in a little narrow opening, a little hall there. And I walked into what should be a living room. And in that living room was a hospital bed. 
and it was evident somebody had been in that hospital bed just a minute or two uh, before that. I looked off on the side, and there was just a little small kitchen big enough for one person to get in. And she said, come, I want you to meet my sweetheart. And I went around that hospital bed and through an opening and into a little sunroom area. There seated in a wheelchair was a man whose hands were gnarled and twisted, and his body was, was just uh, contorted. It looked as if the flesh was just hanging on his bones. It was evident this man had been sick for a long time. He, like his wife, had beautiful white hair. And she walked up beside him, and she said, Honey, this is the preacher, and preacher, this is my sweetheart. And she stood there, and she began to stroke his hair. And she said, Brother Billy, God has blessed me so wonderfully. This is my husband. He's the most precious husband you've ever known. She said, Now this happened just a few years ago. And she said this to me, which would have meant she'd been, this had been going on for many years. She said, in 1979, my husband had a massive stroke and they put him on life support. They didn't think he would live, but he hung on. And after a few days, they said, we've got to cut it off. There's no hope he'll ever get better. And they disconnected the life support, but he didn't die. They didn't want me to put him in a nursing home. But I didn't have any of the children at home. I didn't have a job. He'd always worked. I didn't have anything else to do. And I said, no, I'll not put him in the nursing home. I'll take him home. And she said, brother, and there's no sense of remorse in her voice. No, feel like I, you know, I've, I've been robbed. I've been cheated. No, no regrets. And she said, brother Billy, since 1979, every morning I bathe him and take care of his sanitary needs. And then I dress him. I get him out of that bed and I put him in his wheelchair. Said, since 1979, every mouthful of food he's eaten, I fed him. And she said, we've had a wonderful life together. I've, I've been able to help him. And she said, Brother Billy, and I looked at the old man in tears were coursing down his cheek. His frame, his body was gone, but his mind was still alert. He knew what was going on. And she just stroked his head and she said, Brother Billy, you know why I've done that? And I said, Sister Phillips, why? She said, because I thought he was worth taking care of. And can I tell you something? God says you're worth taking care of. You're better than birds. God's not going to let you go hungry. God's not going to leave you by yourself. That burden you feel, oh, your husband may leave you and your family may leave you. Your wife may leave you, but God's never going to leave you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're better than birds, he said. I'll take care of you. But then the last thought this morning, I call your attention to the same verse in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Can I say this to you? The birds do praise him and worship him or glorify him as creator but they're not his children. They don't know him as father. You're his children. God's made a promise that you are a child of God and he's going to take care of you. If you have five children, and I know how children are, how siblings are, they'd always say, well, mom loves you best. Mom loves you best. But if I could get any parent in here and stand them up across this room and say, now I want you to be absolutely honest before God this morning, which one of your children do you love more? Nobody would pick out a single child. Oh, they may be different and you may love them differently. 
But there's nobody who could say, I love this one more than that one. This one may have failed you, may have disappointed you, may have done this, that, and the other. This one may have been a model child. But down in your heart, you love them the same. And can I say this to you? Your Heavenly Father loves you like you were, was His only child. You may have failed Him. The devil will say, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. God's not going to take care of you. Well, that's foolish. God's going to take care of His children. You're His children. Again, when I was pastoring and down in Georgia, my family, we, were always, we loved the country, loved living in the country. And I've always had animals. And we moved into the city, 120-something thousand people. Had a four-lane road right in front of our house. But we took our animals with us. We took old Dorian with us, big old dog that we had. Took her. We had rabbits. We had uh, uh, hermit crabs. And we had a bird until the exterminator came and sprayed the roaches. And roaches stayed and the bird died. I don't understand that. But at any rate, we had... Uh, uh, we had we had those animals and and when we moved to Georgia we had two cats we had a female cat and a tom cat and when we unloaded our truck I have never this is honest before the Lord I have never ever seen that tom cat again he got out of the back of that truck and I believe he came all the way back to North Carolina never saw him I didn't like Georgia my wife didn't like Georgia my kids didn't like Georgia I don't even believe my dog liked Georgia but there was something about Georgia tomcats that female cat loved I don't know what it was and before long we had four cats. <laughs> Becky had cats everywhere, in the house, up the trees, everywhere else, run over in the highway, the parking lot, everywhere. It got so bad, I went down to the farm supply place and bought me some chicken wire, and I made her a 12 by 12 cat pen, and we put her cats in there so they wouldn't all get killed. When I'd go to food line to buy groceries, I'd go in, and I'd have a 50-pound bag of Chatham chunks for dog food. I'd have a about a 50-pound bag of cat food. I'd have rabbit food. I'd have little things of cat food, of bird food and hermit crab food and all that stuff. Put all that in there and one loaf of bread. <laughs> Had all that food in there. And you say, Brother Billy, what in the world? That's foolish. Why did you do that? You know why I bought all that food for those animals? Because my children love those animals. And I just, all the reason I've done that. But can I ask you just a good, you think about this. If I ever went to the grocery store and I had to make a decision, I'm going to, today I'm going to buy animal food or I'm going to buy children food, which one do you think I would buy? You know, good and well, I'd buy children food. You know, good and well, I'd provide for my children. I'd, before, I'd, before I'd take care of those animals, I'm going to always take care of my children. Can I say something to you? God feeds the birds. They're still singing. Good times and bad times. Sunshine and rain. They've been singing. They keep right on singing. They don't care who's in the White House. They know God's going to take care of them. And I promise you this morning, God's going to take care of his children. I promise you. Now listen, I don't like paying $2 a gallon for gas. And thank God I hadn't had to do it quite yet. But I'm going to tell you one thing. If it's $2 a gallon, God's children just keep on going. Because we're going to still keep, God's going to take care of children. God's going to provide. Can I tell you something? You say, boy, I was glad the day I bought gas for $1.15. Can I tell you something? When I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, going to school back in the 70s, in the early 70s, I paid 15 cents a gallon for gas. They were having a gas war. I'd have died 40 deaths if somebody told me I had to pay a dollar 15 cents and like it. Praise God. I'd take the death to pay it now. But you know what? All that means is this. God provides for his children. God's taking care of you. He's provided for you. God's going to take care of his children regardless of what happens. I promise you that. When you say, Brother Billy, how'd you happen to come up on this thought? I had a good friend of mine who was a down in Valdosta, Georgia. He was a farmer. He drove 36 miles one way to our church. His name is Danny Henley. 
Big farmer. I'm talking about a big farmer. $200,000 a year he put in the ground in seed and fertilizer. Big farmer. Had peanuts, had cotton, had soybeans, corn, the whole deal, everything. We'd had a couple of slow years, bad years farming. And then there came a year that there were floods. Lost all his peanuts in the field. Lost his cotton in the field. Lost everything he had just about in where crops. Brother Danny shared this testimony on a Sunday night. He said, fellas, I come to church this morning mad at God. He said, lost all my crop. I don't know what in the world I'm going to do about my debts. And he said, all I've ever wanted to do was to have this farm and get it paid for and let my son Ty have it. He's now out of high school. All he wants to do is farm. It's been my dream, my goal, that whenever I could, I could quit, he'd just take it over and keep on going. That's all he ever wanted to do. And he said, the devil jumped on my shoulder and said, Danny Henley, you're a fool. You've given God your tithe. You, you've given offerings to missions. You drive 36 miles one way to church three times a week. You're a fool. Every time they have revival, you go every night to, go to revival. You're a fool, Danny. You serve God and try to serve God. Now God's forgot you. God's left you. Why, why, why'd God do all that to you? God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. And he said when he got home that morning, he let his wife Susan out. He said, honey, I'm going to ride down around the barn. He said, people have been stealing equipment. Sell it. Farm so bad they're going to stealing. And he said, I'm going to go down and make sure that nobody steal nothing. He said, but I didn't go down for that. He said, I went down there and just be mad at God. I was going to go down there and, and, and tell God, God, I've served you. And I've been faithful to you. God, why are you going to let me lose this farm? God, what in the world am I going to do? I don't know how to do nothing else. Here I am, uh, uh, 50 years old. I don't know how to do nothing else. How, what am I going to do now? God, why, am I, why are you letting me lose all this farm? And he said, when I got down there, I got out. He said, man, I was so mad. He said, I just walked out, walked over. I got two big old silos down there, he said. And he said, I walked in between those two side loads. And I, he said, I was just so down defeated. All those things just bombarded my mind. And I, he said, I was mad at God. And he said, I looked down and he said, around the bottom of my silo over here, there's some soybeans scattered. And he said, those birds in there are eating, up, eating my soybeans. And he said, they were just a singing. They were just a singing. And he said, over here, there's some other ones eating a little corn. They were just a singing. And he said, I got looking birds over there and birds over here. He said, I got looking in the honeysuckles and the low, low vines. He said, there were birds everywhere. He said, they were all singing. He said, I looked up on the vine, on the, on the wires coming in, the power sources. And he said, man, they were just covered up with birds and they were all singing. Up the pine tree. He said, there were birds all around me, thousands of them. And he said, when I realized what was going on, he said, I stand between those two silos. And he said, those birds were singing. And he said, it was like stereo. And he said, man, it was, it was plumb noisy, birds singing. And he said, I noticed something. As long as I heard the birds singing, I wouldn't hear my problems. And God spoke to my heart and said, God, Danny, you're better than these birds. And if I'm feeding these birds, I'm going to take care of you and I'll take care of your family. Can I tell you something? As long as the birds are still singing, you don't have a thing to worry about. Would you bow your heads in prayer this morning? The birds are still singing. You're better than birds. You're more valuable than birds. And it's your heavenly father that feeds the birds. God's going to take care of his children. I promise you that. You say, Brother Billy, why is all this happening to me? Why am I having this sickness? Why is my wife suffering like this? A few years back, I preached this message in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Then sometime later, I was in a jubilee somewhere and a preacher walked up to me. And he said, uh, Brother Billy, I heard you preach the message on the birds are still singing. It was entertaining, I thought. But he said, it's lived with me all these days. 
And he said, six months after you preached that message, he was a preacher, but he worked public work, preached in nursing homes and was assistant pastor of a church. But he said, I'd give him my time, my effort to the Lord. To the Lord. And he said, one morning my wife came to me and she said, George, we got to go to the doctor today. I've got a bad knot. She said, I've been noticing for a few weeks. And I was afraid to go, but it's gotten real bad. And he said, I took her to the doctor that morning. And the doctor examined her. And he came back in. He said, folks, I'm sorry. But you've got to go in the hospital today. You've got to have massive surgery today. You may not live if I don't. They ran back by the house to pick up some clothing for his wife. And he said, while she was getting ready, we wept all the way there. And he said, I went out on the back deck. And he said, I stood there. And he said, I, I, I just was saying, God, why? God, I've tried to love you. And I've tried to serve you. And God, why are you letting this happen to me and my wife? And he said, Brother Bill, while I stood there, those things just flooded my soul. So all of a sudden, I heard a bird singing. I turned and looked up on the eve of my house. He says, a mockingbird standing up there. And he just raised his wings up and down and just singing to the top of his voice. He said, God spoke to my heart. And he said, Brother Bill, I believe I know what he's saying. And I said, Brother George, what was he saying? He said, he was saying, he's a coming. He's a coming. Jesus Christ is coming and all these words won't matter, won't care. And then it'll be worth it all. Can I say to you, you've come into this building this morning. You may be in the radio audience. Your burdens and cares are so heavy you can hardly go. But I know somebody who cares for you. The Bible said if you'll cast your cares on the Lord, He cares for you. He takes care of sparrows. He'll take care of you. You don't have anything to worry about. In this building, there may be somebody who's never been saved. The world's told you you're, you're worthless. You're not worth anything. But God loved you so much He gave His Son to die for you. Oh, you say, Brother Bill, I know he died for you, and I know he died for preachers and missionaries. He died for that good Sunday school teacher. Died for those dear ladies. Died for those innocent young people. But I'm wicked. I've lived wicked life. And and he didn't die for me. I've I've spit on him, and I've made fun of him, and I've I've mocked Christians. He didn't die for me. To be sure, he didn't die for me. I'll tell you what it's saying. The Bible said in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for the ungodly. Yeah, He died for you. God paid an awesome price for you that you might receive a free gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This morning, a man or woman, a boy, girl in this building may not know Jesus, but you're better than birds. You're more valuable than birds. Jesus died to save you. Will you come and trust Him this morning? This morning, there may be a heavy burden on the heart of Christians. God knows your need. Would you stand to your feet with your heads bowed, please? Heavenly Father, in the strong name of Jesus, God, I believe I've obeyed you this morning. God, somebody here this morning needed this message. Somebody will need this message tomorrow to know the birds are still singing. You're able. Our Father, they may walk in the plant in the morning and be notified that the plan is closing or that they've lost their job or they may find tomorrow that they've lost their health and no longer able to work. They may be diagnosed with cancer and the devil will jump on their shoulder and say, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. God can't carry you through this. 
But God let him hear a bird singing somewhere in the shadows, somewhere in a tree. God let him know that if the birds are still singing, God's still on the throne. And as long as the birds are still singing, I don't have anything to worry about. It's my heavenly Father who feeds them. I'm better than birds. I'm more valuable than birds. God's going to take care of me. Oh, God, make it real to somebody.